Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. My name is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined today by our head coach at Fittown Jupiter, Austin Bettigrew. And today we're going to be talking about culture versus community and sharing um, our experience with dealing with our culture changes that we've had to make over the last three to four years and really kind of opening opening up and, and just kind of sharing the good and a lot of the bad that came with this. Um, and this was inspired. We just listened to Austin shared it. Austin's our, our podcast guy and uh, he always hops in our Slack channels. And if he's come across a good podcast, which he does about once a week, he'll share it in our Slack channels. So he shared with us episode 77 of the Active Life podcast, which is uh, member reactions to culture changes. And that was an awesome podcast as well. Um, we're just going to add to that discussion with our own personal experience to it. So I think it's it's really helpful for you guys out there that that are making these changes, do want to make these changes to uh, get that reinforcement from someone who's done it and is doing it. I wouldn't say we're ever 100% past anything like that. I think it's an evolution. It's a constant evolution. But um, the majority of kind of our old culture has definitely fallen away and we've really stepped into our, our new brand and the, the culture we want to move uh, be moving forward. Um, so I wanted to first define culture versus community um, because I think that's an important distinction that we have to start with. So when we think about community, I actually never really looked down upon the community word. I think you always hear like uh, business mentors say like if coaching, programming and and community is your like your three strengths, like you're just the same as everybody else. And I'm like, yes, but no, because I think if you actually really do those things exceptionally well, then then uh, you can differentiate mm -hmm. in that regard. But I think probably replacing culture with community is a great start and knowing the difference between culture and community is a really great, great uh, way to think about that. So when we think about community, we're thinking about like, retaining the people we already have like you have a a 5 a.m class and you have like joe and laura and austin and tim in that class and like the strength of your community is like you retaining those four people and continuing to keep those four people happy and doing events that they like and having a an atmosphere that they enjoy and having fun workouts that they enjoy and it's, it's very much, I would say, like a protective thing over that community, whereas culture is more values-based, and I would say it's more future-focused in the sense of like, this is what we're aspiring to become, and it may or may not include those four names that I mentioned at the 5 a.m. class as part of it, and likely two or three of those names are a great fit for that future culture, but one to two of those names are not a great fit for that future culture. Yeah, and I, th I think you actually said the perfect word for for it is is value. And I feel like what a community kind of starts to leave out is they kind of almost get to the point where they forget why they're actually here. Yeah. They start getting um, very comfortable with what you're doing, um, what they expect. Like if you try to throw anything new in there, it freaks them out. <laughs> and that's usually the people that end up leaving or they don't like exactly the direction you're going. Whereas to me, the, the culture train is like, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, you're more than welcome to hop on if you're willing. And, and if not, like, basically, I'll leave you at the station. Like, this is where we're going. And um, I, I think the community part of it is, like you said, it's great. But 
it's it's really hard for you to grow as a gym or a a business if those are the people you're always catering to because where is where is new Beth or whoever going to fit in like is she going to be able to come into 5 a.m. where there's already like a, mm-hmm. a click put together and and jump in maybe maybe she does but maybe she doesn't and maybe those those two don't actually get along they don't jive right and there's, there's just a lot of potential issues if you're just trying to cater to a specific community rather than cultivating a culture which is much more long-term in my opinion. Yes. And, um, I think the example that they shared in that active life podcast was like, if you're in a relationship and you find out like you want kids, but the other person doesn't want kids, like there's nothing wrong with wanting or not wanting kids, but you, it is something that's a very values values based decision. Mm -hmm. And if you have different values in that regard around wanting to be a parent, then it's it's best for you to go your separate ways. And I think there's a lot of those little nuances of what we value about the experience that we want um, as athletes, as coaches, as gym owners. And it's okay if other people don't don't value that. It doesn't always end well, and we'll get into maybe some more specifics of how it doesn't always end well, even when you feel like you are trying to clearly communicate that. And even when you aren't saying, hey, you have to go and you're firing clients, but people grow apart, it's not always going to go really nice and clean. Um, but you have to understand from your point, it's just a different of we, you know, we value different things and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd really encourage people when they think about uh, culture and building their community, it's okay to, to want to build a sense of community, but build that culture around who you really feel are your ideal clients and then start to develop, start to define the attributes of those ideal clients. Don't just make it about, well, this person's been with us the longest or this person's fun to have in the gym, but like, what is the impact that we want to have in people's lives? What is it? What do we want people to get out of our, out of our interaction with each other as a business and a customer and who best fulfills that for us? Who, who best uh, represents that for us and is that ideal person and then start to define and build your culture around that. And I think, you know, the reason I shared it in the first place, the reason I put it on there is I, I really just wanted to thank our team for what they have done to help us, like I said, cultivate this, this new direction and culture that we're doing. And it's, it's something I don't do enough, which is thank them and encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. But they're so bought in that it makes the shift much easier. And I think a lot of times you'll get that, um, maybe you as an owner have the direction and culture you want to start creating, but you have people on staff that don't truly believe in it. They're just kind of there to get paid, honestly. It's their job. Um, whereas if you have a team on board, like I feel like we do here at FitTown, like it's really easy to do because you know the clients that are here, they have no other option but to listen to it because that's all they're going to hear for their whole time they're here. So if they don't like it, then they're definitely going to want to leave because that's that's all they're going to get. So... Uh, I, I just thank them for, you know, taking ownership of it and, and really running with it. Yeah, it's crazy because we just had to do a price raise at the gym that went into effect a couple of weeks ago. And the buy-in of our team made that 10 times easier. Mm-hmm. And then I can, I can think back to a few years ago where literally adding a cleaning shift in the afternoon was a huge deal because it, it inconvenienced one of our coaches' training hours um, and we have two buildings. They could have gone in the, the other building. They could go in the other building. 
And that was a bigger deal, at least in the inner workings of our team, than this current price raise was, which is a, a much bigger deal in terms of the uh, potential backlash from, from members or issues that could come with it. So you just see these dramatic differences in decisions that you wanna make to push the business forward based on the buy-in of your team. So the, the team aspect is a huge part of the culture and it really starts with them. I mean, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna be able to accomplish anything from a culture standpoint with your members if your team is not fully on board with it. Um, other things that kind of fall into culture before we get into more of our, our personal stories is things like even your programming and your lesson plans. We just recorded one about programming that I think kind of fits into this discussion. If you want to hear how our, our programming and our culture are moving together in unison, um, how you talk about workouts, how you describe the purpose of a workout, your whiteboard briefings, and then like what things do you talk about in the gym? What things do you post about? on social media, do you share with the members? It, you know, are you talking about like going out and having a few drinks or cheat days and cheat meals? Or are you talking about like what good nutrition looks like and how to improve your mindset and sharing articles and podcasts and, and personal growth type stuff? That is a very uh, big part of your culture that you need to be intentional about, you need to be thinking about. So when it comes to our experience, um, Austin, I wanted to have on this episode because he came in at a very uh, influential time in our business where we were making this shift. He was the him and his wife Danielle. We hired together. They moved here from Missouri, and they were our first out of state hires. And I think we've since hired five more people from out of state with this very intentional hiring process based on our core values. And since the day Austin was hired, we basically turned over every single coach except one, I believe, not including Tony and I, since that time. And it's not been that long. I mean, how long have you been here? Uh, coming up on three years. Three, it'll be three yeah. years in June, I think, right? Yeah. Was your start date? So you haven't even been here that long. We have a pretty big team. We have really a lot of full-time coaches. Even then, um, a lot of those people were full-time coaches. And we've turned over almost all of them. Um, in the time that you've been here. So what, I guess, what are your initial thoughts when you think back to those, that evolution? So I, I'd say when I first got here, like, I think that, I think that Tony and you knew exactly where you eventually wanted to go. So, which is one of the reasons I even hopped on board in the first place. Um, and you know, I was really excited to go along the journey with you guys, and I knew that, you know, just from talking to you guys, meeting with you guys, like, I knew that you would do whatever it took to get there. So, that was the first thing. The second thing is, when I did eventually get here, and I was plugged into, you know, on the team, the thing that I think I saw the most was, you know, we had these great intentions, but we we didn't necessarily hold anyone accountable to, to doing them. And I'm talking from the team perspective, not like what we, you know, ask clients to do. Um, we, we knew what we should be doing. We knew what we wanted people to be doing, but we, we would let things slide here and there. Um, so the culture and the attitude that we expect now wasn't necessarily in place then. And as we were talking a second ago, when, when that's the case, you can't move forward too much because there's always going to be that wall you hit between the coaches and then what the members experience. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, the members, you know, loved what that one coach was doing, even if it wasn't what we wanted and what, 
You know, maybe that is the direction they wanted to go. And I think I've seen that over time. It's like as coaches started to trickle out and new ones started to trickle in, some of the members did follow them if, if that's the one the, the yeah. direction they wanted to go. And I think the best thing that we've done in the time is just be 100% okay with that. And I know in, you know at first it was challenging because you, you do have, and going back to the community part of it, like you have such good and strong relationships with these members that you almost take it personal. You know, there's people you've, you've known for like five, six, however long it had been, you guys have been open since before I got here. Like the relationships have been there that long that they're so strong that it's almost hard to like not take it personal. Like yeah. at this point, they're like some of your closest friends and they're, they're going to leave because of one little shift, at least in our eyes, little shift that we, we've created. And at first I think that was like something that we had like, we were more stuck on. And I think now that we've become more firm and understanding of where we are going, then it's, it's allowed it to be a much easier process. Like, I, it's funny you said that the price change was so easy, and I would agree. I think if we would have done something like this, like, two and a half years ago when I first got here, I don't even want to know what it would have yeah. been like. I don't think it would have been as clean. I think we would have had more people leave just based off of that. Um, and I think now that they understand what we're about which is we just want the best for them yeah. and i think we portray it much better and i think our coaches portray it much better they have that attitude coming into classes every day and i think it just makes hard things easier and i think in the beginning it was harder for us to do easier things because of the team that we had in place Does yeah that makes sense yeah and i want to like dial into like maybe what the the big distinction is in the culture shift uh more specifically because i think a lot of people are going through this which is like I think we had a lot more competitive culture previously at our gym. Um, the nature of being starting as a CrossFit gym, always being very uh, gung ho about the open. And I mean, for the last several years, we got over a hundred signups for the open from our membership every single year. And a lot of our coaches were the most competitive people we had. These were coaches that would do uh, outside competitions, but like the big ones, like Wadapalooza qualifiers and trying to get a team together for regionals. Uh, we had uh, two athletes that did, two coaches that did compete at regionals, one as a team and one as an individual. So this became very ingrained in our culture. And I, I mean, I take a lot of the responsibilities too. I was uh, in that similar boat. I really enjoyed the competitive side. I had the goal of um, having a, a affiliate team compete at regionals in the games. and my kind of model for success as a gym for a while was like uh, the community side, the competitive side, and then the business financial side. Like that was my thought of what is success is like this three pronged approach of like, okay, competitive side was like proof of concept that like you knew what you were doing mm -hmm. from a standpoint of getting people better. That's where I kind of uh, put my hat down in that area. It wasn't so much like, oh my God, if I can show people that we have a games team, it's just like validation. It was more of the standpoint, like if, if we could help create these people at the highest level, then we can kind of prove to ourselves that we can help anybody at any level. So that's where I thought this competitive side was important. And then over time, especially as the affiliate cup sort of thing sort of evolved away from that and moved into more of the super team, I was already moving away from it personally, mm -hmm. like my heart was moving away from it, but that just made it so easy for me to just be like, well, this is silly now. I don't want any part of the affiliate side. 
and like what are we actually doing and you know you see people drop off members specifically drop off over the years that are great members that didn't really like that competitive edge that we had and I was like man I really want to still help that person I wish we I'd rather have this person than this other person that we have in terms of the the avatar not necessarily the the personality of this person I'd rather have this type of avatar that we're helping rather than this more competitive side so once we started to make that switch um, we started to try to hold people more accountable we struggled to as you pointed out to like being more of a professional coach and I will definitely admit that I'm kind of soft in that regard in the sense that like I'm not the person that's going to like jump on jump on you and like yell at you and and like fire someone for something small or threaten to fire someone for something small but what I will do is I will remind people what we're trying to create here and remind them consistently in our coaches meetings and one-on-one meetings and over time you know that might lead to a mutual decision to part ways or that might lead to that other coach deciding you know what this is no longer for me so we had a lot of that where like uh the people that i'm thinking of that left none of those were the ones that we actually had to fire a lot of those were, were places where we grew apart and it was not because just they we happened to grow apart but because i was consistently reminding them like hey this is what we're trying to create and I don't think that was taken very well by them. I think I don't think it went very well, honestly. Yeah, and I, I I'd like to add to that too because I I think you said you you know you you just called yourself soft in that direction, but what I think you did really well was start creating expectations for what you wanted in a coach, and that allowed people to either get on or get off. So you made the decision very clear, like you know when when I first got here. Um, there wasn't a requirement for coaches to take classes. You encouraged it, you highly encouraged it. And one of the first questions you asked me in my hiring process is, what do you do to work out? And I was like, I just like to work out the class like one hour a day. And you're like, that's perfect. And I was like, okay, I'm a weird question, but cool. <laughs> and you know, like that was already something you were looking for in, in the culture you were trying to create. And you know, when we set the expectation that coaches should be in 15 group classes a month which shouldn't be that challenging and there was coaches who would get zero like there's some pretty obvious red flags yeah. that you know we need to do address and I think you know as a, as a team we did really well doing that and I don't think we've had a coach miss the committed club in like over a year at this point so yeah it's cool to see that change and then the second thing I'll add is like the the biggest issue I saw with the group that we had when I first got here was at least the competitive, well, I guess you said all the one turned over. So the majority of the, the crew that we had was, you know, they were competitive. And if you know anything about the competitive sport of fitness is it is the most time consuming thing, one of the most time consuming things you can do. And in my eyes, it's like, if, if that's the direction you want to go, the members are always second. And you can say as much as you want about how much you care about them, but if you're training and you know you getting to this goal is that number one, it ha- they have to be number two, or you're not putting all your effort into it. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. If if that's your goal, you go for it. But you can't be trying to teeter totter a professional coach and a professional athlete because in my eyes they just they don't work well. And trying to be professional in two things is extremely challenging. As you know, like now we've kind of made this blueprint of what we want a professional coach to be 
what the expectations are, and it's a full-time job. And they're trying to add another full-time job on top mm-hmm. of that, which is being a competitive athlete. And in my eyes, if you, when, like I said, when you do that, the members are always number two. And as you know, on our team, like our goal is, besides the team, the members are always number one. So, Yeah, I think that was another thing that kind of helped me separate from the competitive side as well, as I saw no, coming from a background of being a college athlete and playing one year of professional baseball, I, I knew firsthand what the commitment looks like to be a professional athlete in any sport. And I, it was already starting to be there, but I could see the writing on the wall of where this was going with CrossFit. And it was like, okay, I don't want any part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want any part. When it was like, okay, you could do an extra hour of training, you could do a class and an extra hour of training and potentially make regionals as a team. I'm like, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. Anything beyond that just became not fun for me. And and then it's like, okay, and with our coaches, you know, a lot of our coaches were were 30s and beyond. So part of me was trying to get them to understand, like, you know, if you were if you were a professional baseball player, if you were tr- aspiring to be a professional baseball player, soccer player, any other sport, and you want to put in that work, you also have to think about where you are in your career, right? And if, if it is a hobby, if, if ultimately your ceiling is that it's going to be still a hobby, you're not going to be able to make your financial living off of doing it, then it's probably worth it for you to not make it your full-time thing and make something else your full-time thing. And, and you can still make a hobby a competitive hobby, but don't let it be your first thing. And, and I think that wasn't, you know, always yeah. taken well. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing that it did at least... And the way I kind of felt about it was, you know, if you're putting the members second, you're, of course, putting the team second. And simple things like us adding a cleaning shift, which takes like 30 minutes, maybe, it, it shouldn't have been a big deal. And you could see which coaches were willing to hop on and which coaches were, like, actually upset about it. Yeah. And to me, that's just a member experience thing. So you're not willing to clean because you're not willing to give any extra effort to helping our members have a better experience. And... It's, it's, it sounds crazy because it's as simple as like mopping the floor, but it's, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the, we've talked about coaching a lot, um, but then the, the members kind of go with it. And mm-hmm. some of the members that we've lost over the years were related to coaches leaving and some were just related to culture shifts that maybe, you know, a coach talking behind our backs didn't help those situations. But I ultimately, I think it was not like a direct correlation to like this coach left at this time and these 10 members left. Mm-hmm. We had both. We had plenty of both. Um, but, you know, some of the things that we heard that we still hear from time to time is like, uh, you know, you're not crossfit enough. You're not, you know, you guys don't, it isn't CrossFit anymore. Um, you're too focused on the money, um, which that one's like really honestly hits me hard. It's very hurtful. Um, and this isn't the same. This doesn't feel like family anymore. You know, and you hear those things and like those things are like really hard, really mm-hmm. hurtful when you invest so much in these people. Um, so I want to be like open to that and like and not say that this is easy, but it is definitely worth it um, to make these changes. And when you start to get the right person that. I mean, we, the way we've set up our pricing is like our, our newest members have paid pay the most 
And honestly, our, our newest members that we get today are the ones that love us the most and complain the least. They're the ones that are by far paying the most. Although with our recent price raise, we were able to close the gap a little bit on that. Um, but those are the ones that because they only know that one culture, they don't have another coach like in their ear saying, well, you know, or kind of undermining us, I guess is the best way to mm -hmm. put it that, you know, those are sort of the happiest people, the ones that get the most out of this thing. I also think they're getting the, the best product we have to offer at the time, at least from like what we believe is the best product we can offer. And I, I kind of wrote this little thing of like, at the end of the day, we're just trying, we're just doing what we believe is the best for the members. And some people may not agree with it and that's okay. But I think the, the people that we're getting, the newer people, they have no other vision of what we were, where we came from, or anything like that. They're just getting what we're putting out right now, the product that we're putting out, and to them it's 100% worth it. And people are, they're, they're, they're doing, we have more personal training now than I feel like we've ever. We're, we're oh, yeah, selling more packages than we've ever done. And it's, and I feel like just because the direction we're going as a gym, and then the product that we're offering has just been upgraded. The coaching staff has been upgraded. And there are some members who, they loved that old community feel. They loved the, the workouts every day that just like put you on your back and you're dying. And over time we've realized that that's not what's best for you. And yeah. you, know, you know, changing simple things like a program, like a workout, like offends some people. And you know, now it's really easy. Like you're not CrossFit enough. Like cool, we're not CrossFit. <laughs> so it's, it's a really easy conversation. But you know, th those are the type of conversations that for me, they're easy to have because it's like, we're just doing what we believe is best for you, um, for your health long term. And um, if you think there's a better option for you, then yeah. you, you need to go that way. But we're always going to do what we think is best and keeping you healthy and, you know, making slow progress instead of like, you know, whatever you want, fast turnaround um, is going to be where we go. So, yeah, it's one of the reasons why I, I don't really fear competition in our, our area and we've, we've had various forms of competition over the years, but I actually get excited for a little bit of it because when you don't have enough competition in your area, what happens is you have people that settle for your gym because it's their, it's their best option, mm -hmm. even though they, if they had other better options, they would easily choose other options. And I think having a little bit of competition is, is a good thing in that sense in that you can really have a more specific culture and have, you know, again, what's gonna bring that next person in and get them bought in and excited is that they're stepping into an environment that already has that built in and a bad apple can really spoil the bunch in that sense. So um, you gotta work hard, hard on it. You gotta work hard on protecting that culture, um, even if that means destroying your community. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think one more, just to, cause you brought it up, just, just to like hit on the money aspect of it you, you know the, when when crossfit in general first started everyone was basically at the exact same price and everyone was like undervaluing undervaluing valuing themselves like <laughs> tremendously and i still think like today we are cheaper than we need to be and i know eventually we'll get to where where we we should be but the effort that we're putting into every single thing and the things we're taking into account with nutrition, you know, the workouts in general, their mental health, which we've, you know, started adding in recently, like it, it's almost like there, you can't put a price on it. 
and there's going to be people who completely understand and think that we're crazy for how cheap it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be those people who just like have this preconceived like price in their head and you're just like never going to be able to convince them otherwise. And, um, that's just either a tough conversation you're going to have to have, or you're just going to have to be okay with them going somewhere else. But I think you said it in a podcast recently is, is the gyms that try to undercut people are not around anymore. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't even think they try to undercut. I just think like us, they, we started at 135 and 115 for like a, 115 was our couples rate. We didn't think we were undercutting. We thought like, what can the market afford to pay yeah. as opposed to like, what can we fit in a class and what is the experience we want to create and what do we have to charge in order to pay ourselves a decent wage and pay our coaches a wage? Yeah. And then you, you know, you have those gyms who are no longer around. So you, you kind of have a conversation you can have with them. Like, listen, like, you know, we could charge that price, but then we might not be here next year. And then where are you going to work out anyways? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But th- I mean, those are just tough conversations, but I think at the end of the day, if you're just doing what's best for, for the clients, for your culture in general, I, I think you, you can't go wrong. I, I do, I will say it will take time. I mean, this has been like, what I just said, like a three year process from yeah. when I jumped on board and I know it started well before that. So yeah, it's not a quick fix, but it's worth it. Cool. Um, well, thank you guys for joining on this episode. Uh, we're doing some really cool things for coaches coming up here in the near future. So if you are a coach or you have coaches on your staff that want to improve, send me an email, andrew at fittown.com. We're in the uh, works of creating a coach's immersion experience in person here at Fittown Jupiter, as well as redoing our revamping our cross or a rockstar coaching course for individual coaches to be able to take as well a variation of that. So shoot me an email, andrew at fittown.com with your name, your gym that you're at, how many years uh, you've been coaching and what you're struggling with right now or what you want to see improve either in your coaching on the floor or in your career as it relates to being a professional coach. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next one.